0: I think we might be just about ready after that technological snap. Technical difficulties How's um, our levels. They're fine. You know, for our purposes, our levels our levels are fine. How is your level today? Um, my level, is, my level I'm is feeling a little unleveled. But I hope you leave enough room for my fist because I'm going to ram it into your stomach and break your goddamn spine. <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's
1: how I'm feeling. Okay. Yeah, I'm sorry. That'll that should make for a lively show. <laughs> Uh yeah. hi honey, how are you? Good, good, I'm good. Um I think we should get going. Um we have You a, gotta leave this in the middle. Yeah. So I mean there's three pages. Three pages it's like, of
0: Arnold. I love it.
1: I really have to sit down, and study it. Okay. And uh figure out where's you know, I'm not I'm no Fred Norris. I need to speak to my wife. <laughs> She's at work. <laughs> oh. uh, okay,
0: well. Welcome to Friday. Yeah. Um we just spent 20 minutes running around trying to find a new way to record the show because I had plugged the board in backwards. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so it's one of those mornings. (laughs) We've only been doing this for a year. Buckle
0: up, buttercup.
1: It's (laughs) show 53. In fact, 52 episodes constitutes basically
0: a year. If we do it weekly, we've only missed a couple of shows. Doesn't it irritate the shit out of you that we uploaded that one show twice and now the numbers are off? Yes. It really fucking we just? I don't want
1: to delete it because when we lose the downloads, I think. Well, yeah, I so we're know. not going to do that. And we're back. Welcome to Recovery in the Middle Ages, the podcast about two middle-aged suburban dads in their pursuit of life, love, and recovery. I'm Nat X. And I'm Mike Mark. And boy, do we have a show for you today on RMA. Part three of our sponsorship special. Oh. We outline our tandem sponsor recovery strategy and RMA reflects on 20 years since the attacks on of 9 2001 right I can't believe that uh it's been that long you are know. we going right there
0: i mean i thought we were gonna do that a little later we are and so i just had a comment on your sponsorship yes go um on. my son i was yelling at him yesterday ben you want more volume in your headphones yes, is that please. what that means yeah i don't okay.
1: i can never tell which one
0: it is How's that good 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 all right um he, I, um, he's watches these TikToks, right, and or video game streaming. I think it was yesterday, and I hear somebody go, uh, uh, "Cock sucker," and I was like, "Benjamin, you can't be listening to those things." And he, and um, <laughs> you say yeah. it all the time, Dad. <laughs> we were, we we're talking, and he's like, "You know, Dad, did you know that the the the, uh, the TikToks with cursing get like exponentially higher views?" And I said, and and more um, fan interaction. And I said, "Motherfucker, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to start cursing like a fucking sailor on the podcast because maybe that'll like bring in uh, more people." What do you think? I,
1: you know, I noticed, you know, early on, I was being a little more careful with um, my uh, language, and then I forget. You know, when we started letting loose a little more, I mean, obviously, I, I don't want to do anything different than I do in normal life. I always talk like a radio announcer with anybody. You do. I talk to, but you do. uh, I don't like cursing, but it's. You know it's effective when it's used. You know sparingly.
0: That's what I tell my kids. I remember in an early episode, you uh, you were talking about how you were trying to stop cursing. Yeah, and now you're you're just like fuck it. Let's throw it to the wind. This is a recovery podcast, and people in recovery are real. We're right in your face. That's right. Real. Recognize real, son. (laughs) And um, (laughs) that could be construed as cultural appropriation, my friend. Yeah. Well, these days, I'm sorry. Anyhow, um, let's do the rest of the housekeeping. Yeah. Uh, Visit us at middle where you can listen to the show buy merch and tell us your story you can also find us on all of the um podcasting platforms apple podbean spotify amazon etc we're also on youtube if you want to if you're into that i mean i don't yeah i don't know why people listen to things through youtube through watching yeah sometimes because you can't you can't stop it and put it in your pocket well if you, you, know? you have youtube premium yeah, you which can. i unfortunately do um, yeah, he suckered me into paying for it. I think it was me.
1: Yeah, I don't know. some people just that's what they like to list you know like what uh, my son does is he'll uh, on one of his screens while he's playing something on the other screen. He'll run something on YouTube uh, yeah. and just sort of listen to it. Right. So I think there's a lot of people that are they're already in YouTube. So our shows get syndicated to YouTube. And syndicated. I like using that word. <laughs> it sounds fancy.
0: So we syndicate. There's this big organization behind us that syndicates <laughs> our show, it sends it out across the airwaves. Yes, it's, everywhere. It's called Podbean, and uh, uh, so yeah. we're on there. So you can also get the latest news updates and meet other RMA mongsters on our private, unsearchable Facebook group, found easily by. <laughs> by We're searching, searching. <laughs> recovery in the middle ages. No, but you the point is you can't
1: like you can find the group right. but the things that are posted are not searchable. Thank so God. like you your yeah. posts will not show up to your friends and family across the nation <laughs> when you start writing about, you know. Ways did you got last night? Right,
0: and uh, so take a little trip over to uh, the Apple Podcast app, if you would be so kind, and to leave us uh, to leave us a nice review. Five stars are great. A couple of dipshits left <laughs> two star reviews. Yeah. I think uh, maybe because recent. Um, I think it's because they just don't like you personally. I, I think that's it, or maybe maybe the fact that we're not full throatedly endorsing um, AA. It'd yeah, be a problem for some people. No, which and I get it. Just kind of validates. My objections in the first place, but I get it. I fair understand. enough. If you, we're not everybody's cup of tea, right? No, more no. of a cup of espresso. Right. Uh, and if you leave us one of those great reviews, it will be read right on the air. And we got some good ones. Yes, we, got. we did. Please log on to your favorite... I already said that. Um, and you can also tell us your story, which is separate from leaving us a review, although you can tell us your story while leaving a review. And the first person do who that does too. that
1: is going to get a free sticker. Okay. Speaking of, I, I like owe that. Ryan, I think Jay, a shirt. I promised him like six months ago, like he was one of our earlier fans. Uh-huh. And I'm um yeah, uh, man. Um I'm going to mail it, I swear.
0: Just I send me the was, address and Yeah, I have the envelope, I have the postage. I think um, he wanted the original shirt. Oh. I, and you have those. So yeah. uh so I'm doing it. Yeah. So you can t- also tell us your story at middleagesrecovery.com. Scroll down to the bottom, and there's a little form you can fill out and tell us all of the tragic and details and your arc of redemption, all that. The beautiful stuff. Your hero's um, journey.
1: Yeah, right. It was a popular episode. That was. one of our did, most well,
0: downloaded. Didn't we do two of them? Did we do t- I don't remember. I don't remember. Huh. Gee, they all run together like yeah. wild horses over the hills. <laughs> um, okay, and of course, the best way, the very best way, to get the word out about our show is to share it with a friend. That's if right. you're sitting on a, on a bar stool one night you deep into your fifth or sixth pint, just tell the guy to sit next to you, you know? I re- I recovered through middleagesrecovery.com. I I have, No, I'm I'm kidding. That yeah.
1: just happened to me. I'll tell you a little bit about it later. It's a long story. I helped get a guy oh, yeah. Um, yeah. committed to a psych ward and then to inpatient rehab right uh, through a friend. That's awesome. Um And I sort of helped, I helped, you know, point in the right direction. And, you know, I signed over uh, my copy of Just for Today, since we haven't been using it to write the book we're supposed to write. But, uh, and he's going into inpatient. And also, the friend, you know, gave him our podcast. Mm. And I think he's been listening. And, you know, if you're listening to this, buddy. um, Good luck to you, sir. Yeah. Steve, kick ass, man. You're doing good. Did you want to say his name? It's not his last name. How many people named Steve are there? Probably a few. Uh,
0: yeah, um, And we have one of those reviews uh, this week, which is great. You wanted to read this, I did right? want to okay. read this. Uh, it's from your biggest fan, uh, also known as 555 Kelly 5555 um, I checked out your podcast after listening to Mike on this Naked Mind podcast. I usually skip the stories on that podcast by men because I usually relate to the women's stories because I'm a woman. Hmm. But... I was driving at the time, and I couldn't get to my phone to sk- skip the episode uh, until after I heard Mike talk about his first experience with alcohol drinking gin. Same. I had to listen a little bit more since who would move forward with alcohol after drinking something that tastes like perfume? <laughs> you know what I always say? Uh, if it's worth doing, you keep at it until you get it right. <laughs> Just keep at it. Uh, I was surprised to find how much I connected to Mike's story minus the drugs. And when I found out he had his own podcast podcast, that's my podcast, mm-hmm. not your podcast. Yeah, yeah, I just work here, man. <laughs> I thought maybe I'll give it a listen. Uh, as the title of this review indicates, I am now your biggest fan. Having stopped drinking in February 2021, I am finally able to feel the highs and lows of life. All oh, right on. Right. Uh, one of my highs is listening to your podcast to and from work. That's amazing. That is amazing. While it's informative and interesting, I surprise myself every time I find myself laughing out loud. Thank you so much. I can't remember the last time I laughed out loud until I listened to your show. You both have amazing chemistry. And, ready? Ready? Yep. Ready for the, for the punchline? I love having your podcast come into my ear, ear holes every day. <laughs> Usually <laughs> twice a day if I'm lucky. Awesome. Thanks, the Kelly. Best
1: <laughs> review ever. Yeah.
0: Um, thank you so much for that, Kelly. So that's the one that's going to pop up. Uh, first for people if they yeah. go if they go to the yeah to the to iTunes and uh, w- and
1: welcome to all of our naked new naked mind uh listeners out there.
0: <laughs> I thought you were going to
1: say something totally different. No. <laughs> <laughs> um please keep listening and um let us know join our private group naked mind people. We're naked mind <laughs> <laughs> people too. So yeah. uh come join the fun. We also- I have had
0: uh, I've had some people reach out to me uh since the naked mind thing. Oh, really? Um you know, asking for some advice, and which is a ter- terrifying thought. Yeah. Uh, I do what I can, you know. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, there there do seem to be a lot of naked mind people. More importantly, we seem to have retained them, uh, a lot of them, who stayed with us yeah. uh, even after hearing us. And that's, the ultimate, us. that's <laughs> the ultimate compliment, you know. It is. It's one yeah. thing to check out a show,
1: but to actually listen and to get something out of it. Um, is great. Now, so we have a new story. We also. do. A your story. Now, this was one of the contest winners. Oh. Um, uh, Marion C. Yes, thank you, Marion. Where to begin? My early years were nothing short of amazing. I had an amazing family that did fun things and was provided for very well by loving parents. My separation from life began after a sexual assault as a juvenile that led me to feel as if a spaceship had landed and dropped me off on Earth as a science experiment. Mm. Yeah. I I felt that way too, um, even without um, having that kind of trauma. I think a lot of us talk about feeling like we're from another planet, you know? Um, uh, As years progressed, the only thing that caused me to fit in was alcohol, my best friend, a warm blanket of comfort and of course, liquid courage. After two failed marriages and a low spot in my military career of 10 years, I knew I could either be a low-life, self-centered, worthless piece of crap that I felt like inside, or I could give 110% at everything I did and make a go of it. So and and that's that such addict mentality. Like I had that right. too. I'm either all in or all out. That's it. There's no yep. like I'm gonna kind of skate along and just kind of do enough to be happy and healthy and mm-hmm. like balance my life. No addicts like me. Not good at balance. It's all or nothing. Mm-hmm. So off I went trying to conquer my goals. From the outside, it looked like I had arrived. But on the inside, I felt like they were going to walk away in any day and say, Marion, you're a wonderful person, but just not quite good enough to be here. That's imposter the imposter syndrome. syndrome. I feel that I have that same problem. The problem with giving 110% is there actually is no such thing. My insides never matched my outsides. That's the other big problem. Yep. Life went on and my drinking took on new proportions. The phenomenon of craving was a thing since the start. But the mental obsession started decades later when I found myself working as Uh, as a police officer and wondering why my hands were shaking midday and why I would have missing segments of my evening with my kids as a single parent. I just knew I had brain cancer. Anything but alcohol. You
0: know, that's really interesting because I went through a period like that myself when I was convinced that I had a terrible heart disease like, and that I was about to drop dead of a heart attack at any minute. Yeah. But it was, it was. But you can't just the booze, look at what know. the booze. You right. know, there's no way that could be the
1: problem. Yeah. Uh, I, I, <laughs> I, too, I uh, go on. That this is. Yeah. And she goes on to say, "I mean, I wasn't homeless under the bridge. I trained for triathlons. Yep. Dinner was on the table every night, and I never missed work. I, I totally identify with that. My life was quote normal to me, and my delusion landed me in a treatment center, realizing that I had lost my house, car, wow, job, and most importantly, myself. Um, Near the end, I had looked down the barrel of my service weapon and wondered if that was the way to make it all stop. I was ready to start a new way of life. I got out of that treatment center and arrived outside the door of my first 12-step meeting where I lived, and I froze. Quote, Holy crap. I've arrested half the room. So like, in other words, that (laughs) Marion walks into the 12-step room and is all of these perps that they uh, (laughs) they had arrested. I was paralyzed with fear. That fellowship of like-minded people scooped me up and loved me until I could love myself. I found a sponsor, worked the steps, and found a higher power that is ever-evolving, and carried the message to others. Eventually, got my job back in policing, continued hanging with my like-minded tribe, and life is amazing. My outlook on society has taken on new meaning, and I realize that we are all cut from the same cloth. Now, I simply try to meet people where they are. Without my bottom, without my 12-step fellowship, and without my fellowship of something in the universe that is more powerful than me, I wouldn't be here today. Life is
0: amazing. Thank you, Marion. Yes, thank you. And, and for anybody out there who feels like perhaps um, things are going so poorly that you're contemplating ending your life, um, reach out for, get some help. Uh, yeah, Call the suicide, uh, National Suicide Prevention Hotline at 1-800-273-8255 yeah. uh, or speak to somebody because believe it or not, no matter what you think about yourself right now, you are a person yeah. of value and the universe is better having you in it. I struggled a lot
1: with wanting to kill myself. Uh, I never was one, I never had the courage to get a plan up and do it, but you know, for a long time I just I wanted to die. And sometimes my mind would wander like how could I end this? Like mm. how could I And um, one time someone said to me when I was struggling and I had gone to a meeting I heard someone say, um, suicide is a permanent solution to a temporary yeah, problem. Yeah, I've heard that. That's and that great. really stuck with me. Uh, but the truth is, no, your family's not better off without you. No, the world is not better off without you. That's right. The world is better off with you being your best self and, and rising up from, from where you're at. And um, if you are really low, if you feel like you're at your bottom... There could always be lower. The bottom is dead. Okay. <laughs> Some comforting news for you. It could always get worse. It Could always get worse. You know, I was talking to somebody. It can, it can also get better though. And, yeah, I said, you know, how bad does it have to get before you do something? Like, what are you waiting for? Are you waiting for him to your, you know, uh, the spouse that was using? It? I was like, Are you waiting for him to die? Are you waiting for him to get arrested? Like, mm-hmm. what are you waiting for? And um, it's uh, it's just really hard. And when you're down that low. All that means is you can go really far. You know, you've got a lot to do and there's help out there. You can
0: um, also you can handle more than you think you can. I mean, I've I've been in some very dark places where yeah. things have happened in over the course of my life. And that you know, and people would look at me like, "How are you still yeah. here?" you know, and I'm like, "Well, I mean, the, the I have to you just have to keep moving yeah. forward." My father you know? would say, "What's the alternative?" Right. The alternative is death.
1: I mean, right. 4 or 5 years ago, I was, you know, I had to go to a probation officer once a week. I was getting piss tested three times a week. I was, you know, I didn't have a car. I wasn't allowed to drive. Um, My life was completely shit. I didn't have a penny. I had nothing that I could access money-wise because it had all been taken away from me. I was essentially like a child. And um, it would be easy to think, you know... I'm screwed. It's over. There's nothing I can do. My life is ruined. But instead, I picked myself up. Uh, I worked, you know, a program, and I worked on it until I finally stopped relapsing. And and now I got a car. You know, I'm I'm feeling healthy. And I'm exercising. My wife likes me again. I I, st- I didn't lose my family. I'm n- I'm a free man. I, I'm not you know under any kind of legal restrictions. Um so if I can do it, you know, anybody
0: can from where I was at. That's right. And I was on the worst shit, you know. Um the, I was looking back, you know, Annie Grace marketed my appearance on that podcast as um the tagline was like, a life of trauma, you know. <laughs> and I'm wow. I and I look at that and I'm like, I think that might be overstating the case some. Like or there things have happened, you know, and but trauma. Well, but I mean it, a lot of that goes into like how you define yourself and how you define your own journey because if you if you look at yourself as uh, with with the mindset of a of a victim that terrible things happen to me and seem to happen to me with regularity then you're going to you're going to like if you start internalizing all that stuff you're you're just going to be miserable all the time you have to look at you have to just keep keep going forward because life is weird life is crazy things are going to happen to you Right. Uh, whether you're using drugs or alcohol or not, yeah. you know Life you got to get, you get your head into a space where you can where you can deal with that stuff. And and one one place where you can't deal with any of that stuff is if you're using drugs or alcohol. That's true. And um, segueing into uh, what we were
1: going to talk about, the kind of the big thing that's on everybody's mind, especially in New York, it's the 20 year anniversary of 9 11. Um, Indeed, and I've heard so many different. Stories about um you know how it made people's lives even worse, like on an intervention I was just watching there were all you know there was a whole episode where you know the person it all started with the nine eleven um I know my wife's trajectory or her life has changed significantly because of it you know she she was working at Penguin publishing, which was you know I think it was downtown I know she had to walk across the Brooklyn Bridge and escape, and like it was traumatizing. And uh, everybody around here knows somebody who was lost, um, you know. And um, I think, uh, Mike, that you were actually closer uh, to the buildings than I was. I was 40 minutes away, you know, in Hicksville. I could smell the burning, but I wasn't quite on the ground and, you know, in all the trauma. But, like, how did that, you know, what was going on in your life when,
0: uh, when that occurred and what did it do to you? So I was a block and a half away um, that day. Wow. It was the first day that I was supposed to start my job as an attorney for the city of New York. Uh, and in fact, that day I was supposed to um, have my picture taken along with my class of incoming attorneys with Mayor Giuliani, which at the time I thought was quite, a, quite an impressive thing right. in hindsight. Uh, you know, <laughs> maybe not, but um, no, really. but I was late that day. Do you know why I was late that day what, you hung over I was hung over i'd been I'd been up to like four o'clock in the morning the night before which I might remind our listeners was a Monday. Yeah. um i right right that was right? a Monday so I was out um at um <clears throat> the bar in Williamsburg known as kokie's uh, for <laughs> for obvious reasons <laughs> um and this is my first day of work by the way in, at a new job wow okay uh, so I was already a little little messed up at that point. Um, but, uh, you know, I'd gone for training the week before, so but showed up at the building. Um, I'm just going to tell this abbreviated version of the story. I think I told this last year, but that was a year ago, and I don't remember it's now. So tradition. Um, so I was riding up in the elevator and um, got up to the tr- the room and, where we were all supposed to meet, and there was nobody in there. And somebody said that a plane had hit the World Trade Center. Jesus. And somehow between getting off the subway... And walking to the building, I, I somehow missed, or it had just happened or something. But as I was walking out of my building, after going to f- try and find people, I pushed the door open to walk outside, and that's when the second plane hit. Yeah. And all the glass shattered in the in the buildings around me, wow. and a piece of the engine landed like a couple hundred yards away. Yeah, Like, boom, right, in, right on the sidewalk. I, of course, had no idea what was happening. Yeah. So I ran back inside. I thought... Uh, you know, somebody set off some bombs. I thought that we you know, I didn't yeah, know what nobody
1: knew what was really happening.
0: But apparently, then there were FBI agents in my building yelling, get out, get out. And I was like, why are these guys here? And I came to find out later that the mayor was actually hiding in our basement. Oh, holy crap. Yeah, because um, he, he had been around for the first thing. So anyway, so I stuck around down there and I watched the... I watched people jump uh from from the twin towers and I, I you know that was a and that's tra- horrible thing. That's traumatizing. It was extremely traumatizing and I you know I, I sort of broadly sketched out uh the effects of of you know seeing all that and then running away as the buildings were falling down on basically on top of me. Um, it was a war zone. It was a war zone. I, you know F16s flying around like I it's a, to walk out of your sub out of the subway that morning yeah. thinking to myself oh, uh, I feel like shit. If only there was some way to get out of work today. Yeah. Right. I remember having that thought and then all this shit happened and I didn't go back to work for like two months, but, um, but, yeah. Yeah. And so that kind of set me off. I had a lot of PTSD from, from sure. that. it uh, doesn't they,
1: get talked about much. It
0: was, it was one month later, actually, they made us come back and we got passes to go past the frozen zone and you know, below Canal Street and more. and they had us working like at a couple of blocks away from the pit and the building we were in had open windows. So the smell was in there all day yeah. long. Uh, you could see it, you know. Um, I had terrible PTSD. I, I I saw a therapist and my drinking just went through the roof and it wasn't, it wasn't that, it wasn't that, you know, modulated to before that, but right. I, I really lost it. Yeah. Um, so my first few years of, of legal practice were a bit of a blur, yeah. Apparently I did quite well but it was a <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. But that feeling
1: was like this it was so hard to explain it was maybe it was all over the nation but for sure New York and the surround yeah. like on our main highway 495 the LIE like normally I would get on it to go to work or whatever there was big signs that said turn back Manhattan closed yeah. you know which is unthinkable nuts. right and uh just driving around walking around people were in like a daze
0: it well, was like quiet and that was the that's exactly right the weirdest fucking thing because new yorkers if they have any reputation at all it's that they're loud and boisterous and all this stuff but when i we had to walk home i lived in brooklyn at the time we yeah. had to walk across the williamsburg bridge and it was silent yeah everybody walking and thousands of people walking nobody saying a word it was, it was the most eerie fucking thing
1: Yeah, man, Um, it it was crazy, and and now it's twenty years later. Like, there's kids who have grown up without their parents. Um, Yeah, and uh, twenty years later, you know, um, it's it's wild. And you know, uh, thank God for the people that did get saved, and for the first responders who were on the scene and lost their lives. Yes, Um, and still
0: losing their lives from the dust and you know everything, and and you know that's the other thing you know the you know the government failed the, the first responders and continues to fail them i remember as, as somebody who worked down there i remember christy whitman who was the head of the epa and the bush administration getting up and saying the air is fine there's nothing you know no right. nothing wrong with the air and then of course the air was not fine yeah, it's like, like covid's a hoax right. there's nothing so, in the air you know I I, to this day i wonder you know do i have something Inside. Is there asbestos in me that you know? Yeah. After you know another ten years is going to pop out in, in mesothelioma or something? I, I have no idea. But um, you know, the least the government could do today, and, and I know John Stewart and some other celebrities are really uh, invested in helping these um, first responders who are suffering from these nine uh, eleven related uh, problems who are having trouble getting uh, their medical care covered. So, yeah, which is crazy. It's absolutely crazy. You know, it's take it's care appalling, of these guys. you know, and what about the, what about the people who were down there working in that pit who developed, subsequently developed drug and alcohol problems? Yeah. You know, like, can exactly. you imagine like pulling body parts out of a pit for months on end? You know, yeah. what does that do to your mind? Well, it's a phenomenon too, um,
1: before we uh, be, you know, too down for too long. But, First responders in general, like Sergeant Slaughter, you know the things he has to see on the job. Sure, yeah. um, You know, police officers, firefighters. I mean, alcoholism is a real problem. I mean, it's a problem everywhere, but in law enforcement and first responders, it's particularly bad. And um, I, I saw this in practice when I was court mandated to all of these outpatients and inpatients. There was a lot of people there from the unions that would send them. Lots of first. You well, know, if you have a union, that's,
0: that's yeah. helpful.
1: Yeah, the railroad union sent a lot of people,
0: but... Most people don't have unions, though. So
1: today we, we look back and uh, and salute those that uh, passed and that um, were there for us at the time. On um, a happier note, I guess you could say, we, we've been having a lot of holidays lately, and uh, the, the school <laughs> schedule... I don't
0: understand the school schedule. The
1: school schedule is totally fucked, because... I say I wouldn't normally use the F word, but I did right there. It was totally fucked because we just want to get these kids back to you know a daily schedule. We we'll yes. want them back in school already. Out of the house, they don't do well going one day and then a the day off and then. Right, my kids at least they need structure. I need structure, mm. and so we had a couple of holidays uh, locally. It was the Labor Day. Um, which we talked a bit last week. The Labor week. Day, the Labor Day, where I guess we we salute those that labor uh, in the past. Those the, unions again, unions that and gave all of that. us the forty-hour uh, work week. And
0: locally, and weekends
1: off. Uh, the schools locally also take off. I know this isn't true all over the world, but we take off for um, all over the world. Isn't that even true outside the Northeast? <laughs> Is that it that we take uh, Jewish holidays yes. off? Yes. Uh, and so uh, this week they got an extra two days off for. Rosh Hashanah, and I just wanted to educate the listeners on how do you greet someone on Rosh Hashanah, um, and what is it? So what you say, it's, a, it's the new year, and you'd say Shana Tova, or Lishana Tova, and uh, it means basically, you know, a good year, or you know, have a good year, happy new year. Um, it begins at sunset, September 6th, to nightfall, September 8th. And Rosh Hashana, I like how you
0: included the Hebrew in the outline. Yeah, well, that's because I got it. computer,
1: And it means the head of the year. Uh, it's the Jewish New Year. The biblical name for the holiday is y- Yom T- Turach, uh, literally the day of shouting or blasting.
0: Wow. Is this where you um, blow the shofar?
1: I-, I think so. Uh, the Rosh Hashanah customs include sounding the shofar, oh. a cleaned out ram's horn as prescribed in the Torah. Following the prescription. Torah. The, uh, it's a, <laughs> I've heard them pronounce it that way. In, right. uh, I worked for Hasidic uh, people when I was on Wall Street, and they were very... They
0: talked the Torah?
1: They did. The so, Torah.
0: Interesting. Yeah.
1: I've heard Torah and Torah. Um, in any case, so we've had all of these, and
0: so finally... Are there symbolic foods that are eaten? I don't know. What are the so, symbolic foods? Perhaps uh, apples dipped in honey. Yes, hoping to evoke harosa, a sweet New Year. And um, yeah,
1: so I never celebrated. Right, I wasn't you know that Jewish. Uh, we just did. <laughs> we just did uh, Hanukkah. Just a little Jewish
0: around the edges. Uh, like,
1: literally, yeah. we yeah. used to. because um, my mother's parents didn't know my mom converted, and so uh, and they were in Texas. So for the Jewish holidays, Jewish people in Texas. Yeah, Houston. Wow, probably the only ones. And uh, we used to fly out for the Jewish holidays to Texas. Um, to Texas, and my mom would say, "You're Jewish," and I was like, "What? What's Jewish?" You know. <laughs> uh, and uh, I had a yarmulke, and my grandfather called me uh, Naches. That was my like Hebrew Naches. Naches it means like luck. And uh, <laughs> so to this day, you know, my brother will scream at me, Naches. I am
0: from now from hence henceforth. I'm calling you Naches. <laughs> um That's really. Interesting. Um, so your your mother was Jewish. She was, but so you could get a passport. an Israeli passport.
1: Um, This is what I'm told. And the Lubavitch uh, Jewish guys who will, they have this thing called a mitzvah tank. When I worked on Wall Street. Yes,
0: I remember the mitzvah tank. On
1: Shabbos, before the sun goes down, of course, they would park outside of our office on Wall Street and they'd look for um, lost Jews, they said. Like, they'd be like, (laughs) are you Jewish? Wandering Jews? Yeah, because they want to bring you back into the fold. I actually went into their mitzvah tank and let them... um, Bar Mitzvah me I have pictures of it somewhere
0: So you're like your, Were you Bar Mitzvahed as a kid? No, no right. No I was raised
1: Christian I'm a Protestant You know Why well, you were like Their target demographic Yeah I said no I'm not This is what I said I said I'm not Jewish But my mother was Ooh. And he goes Your mother was Jewish <laughs> You're Jewish. By Jewish law, you have to come home to us. And I got into some theological debates with them, no. <laughs> um, which was fun. And, uh, and I went into the mitzvah tank and I, I said, yeah, sure, let's bar mitzvah me. And they wrapped the thing around my hand yeah. and I got the thing on the head and they said the prayers and took a shot of something.
0: Did you have to uh, make a donation? Or <laughs> no, no, you, no it was, a,
1: they're just out there trying to bring Jews back into the fold. All right. And they're called the Lubavitches, uh, yeah. if you want to look it up, uh, and they drive well, they around. They believe
0: that the Rebbe uh, was the Messiah. Yes, yeah. yeah,
1: they had pictures of him in their van, and it's called the Mitzvah Tank. Right. You should Google it, just so you could see what I got roped into. it got
0: the picture of the Lubavitcher's face on the side. Yes. Yeah, it was a, it's, a, it's a hoot. New York's a hoot, folks. Yeah. Um, so uh, the other thing is. Well, I wanted to mention uh, yep. you mentioned you dropped Sergeant uh, Slaughter's uh, name yes. earlier. Um, he loves it when we talk about him. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, I wanted to. I just wanted to tell him that uh, I set up a hummingbird feeder in the yard. Oh, that's yeah. right. You guys love birds. We're, we're bird people, bird and people. Uh, I've actually been getting some some action at the hummingbird feeder. <laughs> so that the only place you're getting action. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to comment on that one. <laughs> but um yeah so i've had hummingbirds coming for the first time in years like i don't know where they're coming from but they're coming to the yard and they're perching on the feeder and i'm running out there with my camera taking pictures of them yeah, all you, the time you take cool pictures everybody check out mike's photographs they're pretty amazing i wish i could give everybody my instagram but then they would know exactly who i am yes, and then where to find me and all that stuff so uh i throw a couple pictures up on the
1: what would they do if they found you anyway like are you mike <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah hi I don't know. <laughs> yes. actually i can't wait to meet people out there uh, in the mumpsters. internet are you don't know, you know? i want to meet everybody everybody's been so cool on the on the private group i'm like you know i don't mind if those people go well, look yeah, at my instagram want, thing, you know, know we want to hang out and um maybe we'll plan like a, a meetup after this covid thing washes away um <laughs> but uh, what did you, So um, did you
0: do something for labor day or were you just chilling uh, we went upstate for a hike. Took the kids and went up to the town of Cold Spring. You mm. familiar with this place? No. It's a nice, quaint little village up on the Hudson. It's right on the Hudson River, and there's a uh, the West Point Foundry is there, so it's right across the river from West Point. Oh, cool! So it's an interesting little hike because you can go back in there, and the old foundry structures are there, and you can mm. walk through there. West
1: Point being a famous military uh, university,
0: is there anybody that doesn't know who West Point is, you'd
1: be surprised.
0: Yeah. I don't know. So that was fun, although um Jack and, and Ben came and they both really disliked um hiking until Jack found a snake, which he pulled out of a river with his bare hands, which I thought was Really? Yeah, that was that was a little dicey, but it was a very small snake. Uh so I guess he thought it couldn't bite him. So and it didn't, as far as I could tell. Oh, that's good. Um so we drove like, you know, getting off Long Island in a car is How long does that take, right? It's like two hours just to get off the island. Oh, to get off, forget it. And then you go up, and then... So we were up there. The hike was like an hour. We got slices of pizza and then drove back. So the whole trip was, I don't know, six hours, and we spent like an hour and a half actually doing something. And is this before or after he got the haircut? Oh, shit. Yeah, Yeah, so those of you out there may recall that my son Jack is... uh, in his first few days at a new school, and it's a uh, parochial school, Catholic school. It's sort of like a, I don't know, like a prep school with Catholic overtones, I guess you'd call it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's pretty Catholic. I went there when I was a kid, and it you know, it really set me up. to boy boys' school. It too. is an all-boys' school. So Jack was used to just rolling out of bed, putting on a swear of pair of sweatpants and rolling off to school which our school is like a block and a half away yep. from our like house just, now he has to get up at <laughs> six o'clock in the morning put on a shirt uh pants a tie uh and take a bus at six forty-five yeah. that goes to the school so is he is business, um, he is very unhappy with us at at the moment. Wasn't it his idea? We were, he was included in all of the discussions, but my point is, you know, he couldn't really know what he was getting himself into, so I'm not going to lay it on his feet like, you wanted to go there, you know? Well, he had to cut his hair, right? Well, you already got a haircut and it wasn't short enough. we got a haircut and it wasn't short enough and the first day, the dean grabbed him and said, uh, you need to get a haircut or, um, as Jack put it to me, that, what did he call him? A bald prick <laughs> that bald prick grabbed me and told me I had to get a haircut oh man so hey it is going to make a man out of him i mean everything that could have went wrong his first day of school went wrong and you know my fear of course in all this is like he's going to like it's going to be too much pressure it's going to be too much going on at once and he's going to cope with it by going out and starting drinking and smoking pot and as a method of rebellion and i don't think there's anything i can do to prevent that, <laughs> to prevent that from happening i'd say that there are way fewer opportunities for him to engage in that kind of behavior in the school he is now, as opposed to the school he would have been going to. Right. Um, but it's like in the back of my mind: like how much, how much do I give? How much time do I let this play out? Like if, is, if he's still miserable two months from now, do but I pull said, him out and send him back to the regular school? Did check cleared? Well, see now that's an interesting point because you pay in three payments. Right. So the first one's in, but the second one is not until November. All the right. second one's
1: a big one. So maybe you cut out before the second one. I think you should stick with it. I think, I, it's I think be great. so too. That is such a great school. I know kids who went there who became famous podcasters and lawyers. Yeah. yeah. You know who went there? <laughs> who? Bill O'Reilly. No kidding. Yeah. Well, yeah. nothing to uh be- Did Hannity go there too? Uh, Hannity did not go to college.
0: No, this is high school.
1: Oh, um, I don't know. No. I don't know if Hannity went there. <laughs> And, uh, anyway, but Dimitri's going to college, your, your older son. Yeah. So how's that going?
0: Well, it's been hard to get him to actually do much work this semester. Like, cause he's <laughs> a senior, man, but you know, he fucked around for two years. So his grades, this part of the year are going to matter more than if it was some other kid right. who had been, you know, busting his ass all the way through. Those kids are building their resume, so to speak for college, right? Yeah. Doing but, clubs I mean, and great. So I tried the summer. He got him that internship. He did that. He completed it. Great. Um, so he's got some stuff now. But, um, I mean, some, sometimes I wonder. These kids are so clueless. Like, he was sitting on the couch the other day. And, and we were like, yeah. And, you know, you know, when you get your four-year degree, he's like, wait a minute. <laughs> he goes, College is four years. <laughs> I'm like, how many years did you think it was? He's like, I don't know, two or three. I'm oh like, man. no, no, that's law school. Yeah, he's going to do that, that after college. Yeah. He's like, what? He was he was appalled at the idea of all that education.
1: Well, this, you know, like I said, you know, my wife went to community college and then went to Salisbury University. Yeah. Um a lot of people I knew in the music program at Crane. Came over from Nassau community. They had a great music program. A lot of times, it's it's the perfect option. I, I agree. Um, it's a, it's also a big money saver. Yeah. Um, it might be, you know, but like you said, he's going to be home a little bit longer, but maybe that's good. Maybe
0: he needs to be home a little longer. Maybe he does. You know? You know, the, we don't know. We're, we're going to try and get him... We're going to... Here's the thing. If we send him off to a college and he crashes and burns, it'll happen within the first semester. We'll know, and right. then we can retune accordingly. Yeah. If we start with diminished expectations, Right. I wonder what that's going to do to his self-esteem. You know? Like, you should go to NASA and, you know, this and that. Hmm. I would like for him to try, to try something a little more robust. Send an email to Mike R (laughs) at Middle Ages (laughs) Recovery Yeah, let me know what your experiences have been, folks.
1: Because I would love to know. What you think. Yeah. Um, Before we move on to our main topic, I want, I was debating whether or not to talk about this because it's very sensitive um, but, uh, I think it's pertinent. Um, so basically, uh, without naming names, a good friend of mine, um, who I work with at my other job, um, you know, I'm in the same office with her and I overheard basically she, her ex fiance out of nowhere, her is in a lot of trouble with drugs and alcohol. He was, this is an ex fiance. I didn't realize yeah, that her okay. ex fiance. And um, and apparently he was in such bad shape. He was in some motel in Brooklyn. His whole family's in Tennessee. The um, the the sister just didn't know who else to call and called her. And mm-hmm. not you know this is a long time ago. Wow. And so basically, she was asking me because she knows about my my history and what I do and mm. stuff like that. And um, I was amazed at how quickly I could rattle off, you know, oh, that's easy. You know, you get him to Glencove Hospital. That's what I did. It was a lot of it was what I did. Right. You know, he was suicidal and all of that. And I said, just, you know, and she got him there. I, I took, kept his things in the store for her. Mm-hmm. And um, and this was, must have been extremely difficult for her because she's married now. Right. And this is this ex-fiance, but he's in real trouble. And, you know, so she, it was amazing. And like miraculously they they 5150 him which means you know once he admitted that he was going to hurt himself they were able to hold him for 72 hours and Mm -hmm. that gave us time she's like okay now what and i was like okay now we got him into an inpatient rehab right and uh and uh, of course i suggested the one i went to a couple but the one that i wanted him at uh seafield we were able to get him a bed. Do they have equine therapy there? They do not. Uh, <laughs> not. Um, they do acupuncture and stuff like that. Right. And there's a gym. It's not that fancy. <laughs> okay. but um, And so long story short, he turned around, like he got cleaned up. He's doing much better. And he's like all about wanting to get better now. So he's willingly Super. at this rehab. Um, and he's there finally checked in. He got a bed. I... Um, And then when uh, she was taking his stuff from my store to to bring to him, uh, I got my Just for Today book, which is a daily reader for NA, Mm -hmm. Uh, and I signed. Basically, I inscribed it like, "You need anything? Give me a call, and you know, good luck, and all of that." And uh, and it felt good to know that you know this guy. I saw him or heard about him being in this horrible situation that was nearly killing him, and then now he's at least in a in a mental space and a physical space to finally get better, and he's embracing it. Fantastic. And uh, I'm very excited to... It sounds like it went as smooth as
0: such things can yeah, go. Yeah. Mind if I ask what he was addicted to?
1: Um, I, it's not clear what it... I believe it was like everything type of thing. Oh, like, yeah. I think there's uh, opiates involved. You know, mm. it sounded to me like it was basically everything. You know, he was drinking a lot. Drinking was most of it, I think. But drugs were coming along with it. And, yeah, that's uh, scary. That's, it's so scary to be drug addict nowadays and he was a real successful dude she said like you know really successful in uh like publishing or something Mm. and uh and his life just completely you know drugs and alcohol and guess what i bet you it started with a drink i sure did um sure it did and but the point is that you know when she first got the call she was like there's nothing to be done like he's i don't know if he'll ever come back he's gonna die i don't know what to do and my advice was, or what I said was, there's always hope, you know, unless he's dead. Right. There's hope. Where there's life, there's know? hope. And she, it was great, like, just to... Because I wasn't so close to it, it was uncomfortable. I was just far enough where I could, like, you know... Right,
0: you're um, not really emotionally invested in this guy. You don't know this guy,
1: right? Yeah, I mean, look, will he relapse? Prob- who knows? Like, right. the point is, he's he didn't kill himself. He's clean off drugs right now, and he's getting medical help. The trick now... Is to help the transition from rehab to like a program, an outpatient, some place mm. else where it's monitored, maybe a halfway house, to get him on his feet, and um, and it's interesting just to watch that process from this perspective instead of being in it, right? You know what I mean? So um,
0: that kind of was um, there. Was there any thought of non twelve stepping here? What do you mean? Well, when he gets out of uh, rehab. What's going to be the trajectory of his recovery? Well, is it going to be I'm going to let A N A
1: Well, uh, at the place he's at, they will make a a plan for him. Uh, I forget what they call it—a recovery plan or something. Mm-hmm. So they'll probably say, "You go
0: relapse to f- prevention." And relapse all prevention. Yeah.
1: So they'll come up with a plan for him. I'm going to recommend he do whatever they recommend, mm-hmm. um, and, and start there. Um, I think in his spot, the best thing would be an outpatient, which is the outpatient programs I went to weren't, 12 step based really oh good. you know Great. they in fact greeted it with some skepticism but they understood that this was what was out there so they cater to it a little bit okay you know so if he goes to one of these series it's like a medical outpatient and you're being tested and you're seeing a psychiatrist on top of a therapist right you're having individual you're having group you're having a class where you learn about multidisciplinary the model so and then from there he can start to figure out what kind of fellowship or what kind of program he wants to work with does mm-hmm. he want to do kind of like reading on his own, get a tandem sponsor, right? You know, attend a few AA meetings and maybe Smart Recovery. Kind of sample the waters, yeah. You know, so uh, hopefully, you know, once he gets through the institutional part, which I'm recommending he go through as long as possible to kind of stabilize his mindset and uh, and his physical, you know, uh, state of being, hmm. and then he can be in a place to really think about those things, and then may- maybe he'll be in a spot where he can just read the Naked Mind book. He can right. just listen to our podcast. He can communicate maybe with me or another alcoholic or addict that he met, right. and you know putting all those things together is going to be the key to uh, keeping him sober. That's in my opinion, right. which is worth what five cents. in My opinion can get you a piece of gum. Opinions float on the free market depending on the day. Um. All right. I think we should move on at this time. To you're not going to talk about your,
0: you're not going to talk about your your picture.
1: What you picture? posted oh okay, last <laughs> thing, and then I'm actually gonna have to pee All right. um so if you guys are on the private facebook group uh you you saw that i, I was i posted a picture of my reading apparatus, <laughs>
0: yeah, you know, and it's that, very involved <laughs> it's you have uh you have a headlamp, yeah, and you have um Reading glasses yes. with the with a, the prescription uh, one point what is it what are you it's a one it's point two five it's 1. very 25. low, low.
1: I, and I have this gigantic book I'm reading Infinite Chess which I highly recommend but it is very involved like I'm looking up three words a page that I've never seen before type of thing
0: I mean the, the picture was great though it, <laughs> you, you, you looked like you were about to stick your finger up somebody's ass yeah, uh, and have great. them bend over and cough <laughs> it was it's but, definitely a, but let
1: uh, me tell you. I am reading so much better than I've ever read before. Um, I finally decided, like, I'm going to stop. You know, only listening to books. This is a book. don't You I, get into bed wanna.
0: with that outfit on?
1: No, I don't. <laughs> I don't get anywhere near the bed with. That. Yeah, my wife's busting my balls about it. And, but I, it, you know, it gets me in the mindset. Of, I feel like I'm, I'm like a spelunker, right? putting on the whole
0: delving gear. into the mind of-
1: but I can really see the words yeah. and I can really you know focus that's very helpful uh, I'd like to talk about Infinite Jest at some point God. it's, it's Does really I mean I have to read it because no, I do not want to do that this is a book that I would never like tell someone they had to read you have to want to read this thing um, but if you do it is super enjoyable it's the best way I can describe it um, and that's um, also Dopey Nation's Falling Apart
0: ah uh, yeah <laughs> Do you want to talk about that? There's just been... Don't shit. we? Uh, yeah. I mean, it's it seems like... Well, it be, it, listen. I don't know what goes on in there because I'm not like a big Dopey Nation guy. Like, I listen to Dopey. I like Dave yeah. and everything. But it seems like stuff, stuff going on in the... Uh the group that used to be the reading group is now the alt-recovery group? Yeah. What is this? What is happening? So from what I
1: understand, um, as you guys know, there's a lot of recovery meetings through Dopey Zoom, which is fantastic. And when it started out, Dopey was really more like alt-recovery. It was more like whatever you've got going, it's great so long as we're together and trying to support one another. And that was more of the vibe. Now, as... There's been more meetings and more people running the meetings and it's kind of getting its sea legs. It's leaning more in the, you know, because this is people's experience. So when they're doing a meeting, they'll do a big book study group. And, you know, it's not all 12-step, but it's something that lots of people know It's a comfortable way to run a meeting, but the problem is that baked into Twelve Step Mm -hmm. is this kind of intolerance, and it's it's okay, like it's just what it is, you know. Because if you're going to believe this is the way, the truth, and the life, everything else is going to be counter to that. If that's the, the the dogma, right? So you have someone like our good friend Misty, who is kind of leading the charge. She's sort of taking the brunt of all the attacks and stuff. Unfortunately. And she felt like she was being—it was too judgy in the dopey zoom—and she felt like, you know, she needed a safe space. Um, and so that's what she's created with the alt recovery. And then Jamie also, who was the uh, came up with the the phrase, you know, that dopey was the vanguard of the alt recovery movement. So she's involved. I think it's beautiful. I think it sucks when. People feel uh, alienated in a recovery group. But you know what? What I said on one of the, uh, in the group was look, look, there's room for more in recovery. There's always room for more. Just stay loving, you know, stay friendly and, um, you know, be comfortable with other people's happiness.
0: Yes. I mean, those are great sentiments. I mean, I'm full of sentiments. I'm not really sure what alt-recovery means in, in that context. I'm not really sure what alt-recovery means in any context. I mean, we've always sort of styled ourselves as as alternative recovery um, since the beginning. Just because, alternative
1: from, you know, traditional 12-step. Right. That's the way I see it. It's anything that's not,
0: you know, like you have the Catholic Church and you have everything else as right. far
1: as the Catholic Church is concerned. But
0: I mean, we do a fair amount of 12-step 12, 12 um discussion here well in yeah this group, it's you part
1: know. of most people's recovery because it's ubiquitous and right. so people relate to it and they've been through it and i've been through it and i use 12 step you know um as needed basically yeah which is what they tell you take what you want leave the rest you hear that all the time in the rooms but then they say
0: but these are really not if, suggestions right but if you don't take them you're screwed you're a fucking you know, asshole and go right. to hell and so you know so any kind of alt recovery that involves harm reduction i guess is a bit controversial um and so far as it it is people still using a substance you know uh, yeah, to it, perhaps eliminate the need for using a more dangerous substance yeah you know. I mean uh, I mean that that doesn't sit well in the in the, the 12-step community and I can understand you know if you come from that paradigm I can understand why that would seem to be anathema um, I mean for me I mean abstinence, is the way to go for me because I've found that having a clear head allows me to do work on myself that I couldn't do if I were still using anything. Right. So I like being sober. I mean, I, I yeah. don't know, it, but, I mean, but I'm, I'm not going to judge you if you need to do a couple bong rips every week, yeah. you know, to keep off heroin. Fuck, you know, that's, that's yeah. your business. You know, this is um we, we could do a whole
1: series on <laughs> alt recovery and maybe we will, but you maybe know, we should, we wish everybody in the dopey nation and the alt recovery group, the best, um, you know yes. come to recovery in the middle ages private group yeah, where, uh, right. <laughs> we'll, we'll accept pretty much anyone even if you're not middle we even have people who are not middle aged that are listening well there are people that think they're not middle aged yeah well what I was saying <laughs> is middle age is a state of mind it is you know like you can be t- I was middle aged by the time I was 25
0: a lot of it depends on the state of your bladder and speaking of which yes are we going to take um, a short break and be back after these words we'll take a short break and
1: we be right back after <laughs> okay. these words
0: And we're back. We're back, and uh, here at. Well, I'll tell you what's going on. Is that what he said? Fucking Arnold.
1: First, I would like to just get to know you.
0: Right, (laughs) that's what I wanted. (laughs) I think uh, I think you know me by. If you don't know me by now. And we're back. um, Yes. So uh, we've been talking for the last two weeks about sponsors. Sponsors, Sponsors. It's been a long series. We talked, last week, we took a little diversion into um, sponsorship abuse, which I think is, um, you know, it's part of the, it's part of the rich fabric of of the sponsorship. Yeah, it's worth <laughs> noting stuff. in any case. It's not it something that's noting. talked
1: about much. And Erin uh, Moore came on, and she did a really great job, kind of relaying her experiences and and also how it it still helps her and how she gets something good out of it
0: right because some people out there might be saying themselves selves um what do i need a sponsor for i mean yeah I'm, i'm okay like i i didn't have a sponsor for a year after i quit
1: my second sponsor who was big AA guy said he didn't need a sponsor
0: did he yes he did
1: i used to have that argument with him and he uh was pretty much like i don't know anybody that i would look up to in other words so wait
0: so he became a sponsor without yeah having had a sponsor
1: he's had one but oh. he didn't need one anymore, he said. Oh, and, well, maybe which, that's probably true. It's missing the point, though. You know, the idea is you're humbling yourself and saying, maybe I don't know everything. This person can, you know, assist me. I don't humbling have yourself. Answers. Humble thyself. It's so, it's so Christian,
0: the whole thing.
1: But, no. Okay. This is a Judeo-Christian country,
0: the way it was founded, in any case. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, but the Founding Fathers' attitudes towards religion are not what people think. But anyway, I digress. Mm-hmm. Why don't we get into the main side? It's now 52 minutes. So let's- Yes, it is. So earlier in the series, the Sponsorship Series,
1: we discussed some of where the sponsor recovery model came from, a little bit about how it Uh, has evolved into something that too frequently puts the new person in recovery in a very dangerous spot, like we just were talking about, or at least not in an environment truly conducive to recovery. We also talked a bit about the need for a mentor to help us get acquainted with the program that if you're choosing and to get support and help guide the novice, uh, the apprentice or novitiate... (laughs) Is the <laughs> word that we were we, we were, were workshopping those terms yeah. last night. We were trying to think of a good term for the, the new person that isn't pejorative. Uh, <laughs> you know, towards the right texts texts, and if applicable, spiritual practices uh, that help them maintain their sobriety. You know, um, and in that sense, it is important. You know, we think to have a mentor or something that you you know you're not making this up out of whole cloth. You know, if you were naturally thinking in terms of recovery, you wouldn't be in the spot you were at. Right. So you need some guiding principles. I think that's important. Um, which is why programs are are so important. Mm -hmm. Um and so but as we've been thinking about it, looking at our own sponsorship experiences or in mine, the things that we we get out of it that are good And then the things that maybe don't work so good. Right. You know, we've talked about this before. We believe in a tandem sponsor model. Yes. um, That involves uh, two people who are relatively in the same spot in recovery that, you know, like a workout buddy or scuba buddy or scuba buddy or even mountain climbing partner, which makes Hmm. a lot of sense because you're climbing the mountain of recovery. Right. Um, And then also the two of you working together as as equals to achieve a common goal of
0: staying sober and living yeah. your best life yeah and then uh, and we call that the tandem sponsors yeah i mean the basic format right of tandem sponsor program requires two people right tandem right like tandem bicycle tandem kayak right I picture us on a tandem bicycle. Just. Do you know the person that invented that probably was not married? Yeah. <laughs> He's like, someday. Someday. <laughs> um, there's no surer way to a divorce than a tandem kayak or, t- or tandem bicycle. <laughs> um, so but both of the, I, I think with a tandem model, it's helpful if both people are at, at similar points in their journey and have uh, an agreed upon mentor or text or framework. Yeah. Um, that they can study and
1: work on together. Sort of like you're studying for a test. You both are looking at the math textbook, but you're doing it
0: together. You're testing each other. You're pushing yourselves. Maybe you could even tandem sponsor in 12-step, although it seems like a more hierarchical. Well, I'm
1: going to point out here from, uh, I have some examples from the big book that really tandem sponsoring is sort of the basis of the AA program as it started.
0: Yeah. I mean, look at Bill and Dr. Bob, right?
1: Yeah, Bill didn't have that much sobriety when he, he roused... Dr. Bob out of his uh, drunken stupor.
0: <laughs> um, tandem sponsors. You should be in contact every day. Meet in person once a week to discuss how it's going. Um, it should be an ongoing conversation. Air up conversation. any fear or issues that come up. Safe, judgment-free.
1: Yeah, you shouldn't feel judged. You should feel like the person... You can
0: also call your friend an asshole. You should
1: call your friend <laughs> out. You can. But when you build that relationship of trust, when they finally do call you out on something... You take it the right way, Yes, you, you know it's coming from a good place and, and that's important with a tandem like, sponsor And, and that, was,
0: that was something that I found interesting about Aaron was saying last week about how you don't want somebody who's too good a friend yeah. to be a sponsor. And I, I don't know. I, like, I can see pros and cons, right? Because you you can have much more of an intimate level of communication with somebody you know better. But maybe you don't want to tell them certain things. Well, maybe you don't. You know. But I don't know. I kind, what, of, I kind of tell you everything. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't hold much
1: back. Well, you're not supposed to. Right. I don't either. Okay. Yeah, we're not supposed to. You, you want to be so as open as we're possible. We're like good
0: friends, though, right? Well, I mean, yeah. So, okay. So, I mean, look, hey, it hey, doesn't hey, work in hey, everything. It's just right. a suggestion.
1: <laughs> if you have a great friend, you know, who also wants to be in recovery for you, that's the tandem. I think thinking it well, because when she's thinking of a sponsor, she's thinking traditionally of what we would call a mentor. Okay. That makes okay. more sense. That makes more sense. So, like, the mentor, you want to be someone sort of outside of your
0: friendship circle. Uh, someone... That- Perfect sense. You know what I'd love to hear right now? What? One of my favorite things is to hear quotes from the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. Oh, do you have a few? I do.
1: Um, and basically, uh, Bill W. writes in the big book um, about an unparalleled camaraderie recovering people have regardless of their station in life. And this just sort of, mm. I love this quote from the big book. It's very beautifully written and it says a lot about community and um, working together. Uh, it's page 17 in the, I think, fourth edition. We are like passengers of a great liner, the moment after rescue from shipwreck, when camaraderie, joyousness, and democracy pervade the vessel from steerage to captain's table. Unlike the feelings of the ship's passengers, however, our joy in escape from disaster does not subside as we go our individual ways. The feeling of having shared in a common peril is one element in the powerful cement which binds us, but that in itself would never have held us together as we are now joined. The tremendous fact for every one of us is that we have discovered a common solution. We have a way out on which we can absolutely agree, and upon which we can join in brotherly and harmonious action. This is is the great news this book carries to those who suffer from alcoholism. Um, and that's just started kind of like the working together, this feeling that we're escaping something together. On um, Page 18 goes on to further highlight the importance of an addict working with another to get the best possible results. Um, and it says, quote, on page 18, Highly competent psychiatrists who have dealt with us have found it sometimes impossible to persuade an alcoholic to discuss his situation without reserve. Strangely enough, wives, parents, and intimate friends usually find us even more unapproachable than do the psychiatrist and the doctor. But the ex-problem drinker who has found the solution, who is properly armed with facts about himself, can generally win the entire confidence of another alcoholic in a few hours until such an understanding is reached little or nothing can be accomplished. So this was the basis, I think, these lines, um, setting up what a sponsor, you know, what they want it to be. Mm. Um, Someone who you can, you know, count on, someone who will, you know, be a little bit, and to me that sounds more like the mentor. Um, And in this scenario, there would be two guys who would be talking to the mentor and working on it together. Um,
0: I agree with uh, most of that, except for the part that, where he says he that the great news that the book carries those who suffer from alcoholism and that that program is like the well yeah the he's zang. talking but I, about I agree. his program yes, yes so
1: that can be true of any you know, program right any
0: program well right
1: that okay. works um or that is good or that you're both focusing on um so like a scuba buddy you know um I've never gone scuba
0: diving but like How are scuba diving buddies, like how do they help each other? They help each other in a a number of ways. Um, You know, before you get in the water, you check to make sure that your buddy's equipment is functioning correctly. You make sure their air is turned on. You make sure there's a little air in their buoyancy control device. And then when you get in the water, you stay right next to your buddy within the amount of time it would take if you ran out of air to swim and grab an air supply, an alternative air supply from your buddy. So you're very, you work very closely together and yeah. you don't stray too far away from one another because if you do, and one gets into trouble, you know, imagine running out of air and you see your buddy like a hundred yards away. Are you ever going to make it there? You're probably yeah, not going to make need it there. Your buddy. You got to stay close to your buddy because, you know, and any, any, you know, and your buddy can help you with minor stuff too. Like if, a, if, if your fins, if a fin strap breaks or you lose a piece of equipment or something, you know, um, just, the idea that somebody is always around to help you when you need help. Yeah,
1: and if yeah. you put on your 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 dive you know goggles incorrectly <laughs> or something, the your your dive buddy isn't going to be like you asshole. Why are you so fucking stupid? Right. Well, he can't um, talk underwater anyway. Well, but, like, you know, <laughs> but yes. he's not making you know. He would just hey, you're doing this wrong. Right. You know, right. we'll fix this. We right. want to, you know, and so that's the sort of attitude, um, and then. The mentor, so like, what do we do about a mentor? Because if you've got two people who, they both want to get recovery, um, you know, but
0: where do they start? Well, your and my situation is a little different because we both met when we had a little time under our belts. Me, not quite a year. You, more than a year, almost two, right? Yeah. So we had already sort of found our way to a a space that was working for us. And when we got together, we just sort of compared notes, realized that we were on the same page with a lot of stuff, and just proceeded from there. But if you have two people who are just starting out who want to engage in some kind of tandem sponsorship relation, you know, you have to be careful with stuff like that because, you know, you you don't want to run into a blind leading the blind situation and find yourself, both of you sitting at the brewery drinking beers because you could, you know, (laughs) together because you couldn't kind of organize stuff. So, so in that situation, you know, um, and I, I was just sort of thinking about this, whatever this is, this alternative program out loud, um, You need to find a mentor. You need to find someone who is schooled in the whatever particular art of recovery that you are participating in, whether it be this naked mind, whether it be... uh, Yeah, it doesn't have to be
1: somebody you meet in a meeting. Like People aren't going to meetings as much anymore in person anyway.
0: You can meet them on the internet in an alt-recovery group, for example. Yeah. and you should vet them and be sure that they know what they're talking about. And I think it would be helpful if that person had some sober time, at least a year's worth, um, before you rely on them to tell you how to maintain your sobriety. Right. So it's, it's important that you both respect the source.
1: Um, and, and this works for AA, it works for NA, it works for smart recovery. It's whatever program that you're, you're going to, it's, you know, you pick another person, you know, like another student in the class. Right. And you guys agree to work together and and work towards a common goal. And so in that sense, I mean, it's probably, this is stuff that people are doing already. Mm -hmm. But I I mean, you feel like, you know, this is a great way to get things started. Right. um, Because, you know, two are better than one. I mean, how many times, I mean, when I used to work out all the time, I always had a workout buddy. And when I didn't, I never worked out as hard. I didn't progress as much. Um, And and like I I described it to you, um, like... If you have two guys going to see a personal trainer, you know, once a week, but they work out every day together, Mm -hmm. that's kind
0: of what I'm getting at here. So, what you're looking for is somebody that can give you some accountability. Yes. Right? Um, Someone who can, you know... They say uh, the old saw is the opposite of addiction is connection, right? Yeah. Uh, so if you have somebody you can turn to regularly on a daily basis, somebody you have a relationship with, that's great. Plus that person keeps you accountable. You're not able to sort of sneak off and, you know, indulge your, uh, yeah. your thirst or whatever. If you're-
1: I relapse, I know I've got to tell you.
0: So you're like a, a, a the tandem sponsor is like an accountability buddy.
1: It is. and And yeah. it, I, of course... You know the the hard part is feel- not feeling that shame and just knowing that when I go, "Oh man, you know it happened, I finally relapsed, and shit, and so that's when the tandem sponsor really steps in to show that support, love, and a way forward mm. and to let them know that you didn't throw everything away, okay, Let's look at what happened, let's see- you know maybe why or maybe it doesn't matter why but how do we move forward? It, you know, is it okay? And the answer is yes, it's okay. You're still alive, and, and here's how we move forward. You go back to your program and kind of look at what you were trying to do and maybe what you, where you missed, what you could do better. Mm. And that was the recipe for, you know, for my lasting sobriety so far. Mm-hmm. So every time I relapsed, um, I got back up and said, okay, what do I have to do different? Like, right. where did I miss? Uh, and the tandem uh, sponsor can can assist with that.
0: Um, I like the idea that you put in here that the mentor can also be an author who who writes a book that you both study together, like Annie Grace's The State yeah. of Mind or Gabor Mate or even or even Bill Wilson.
1: Because they lay out um, a lot of, of, of program in there. Like Gabor Mate is telling you, like, what he suggests, mm-hmm. how you get through this. And if you're both reading reading a book together, and people do that all the time in other, like, book clubs. Right. They're reading the same book, and then they're discussing it. Right. You know, in this case, they would be, okay, and how do we practice this? And talking to one another about it, being open about uh, their fears or something they think. If you don't like something about the program that you're practicing – Great time to discuss it is with your tandem sponsor. Uh, And then by having these conversations, by working it out out loud without fear
0: of reprisal, um,
1: there's a way forward. You move each other
0: up. Some might say that um, not having an actual person as a a mentor is problematic. But then I I think back at Bill Wilson did not have a, a sponsor. Uh, or necessarily a mentor. Maybe he talked to somebody from the Oxford group. He, yeah, he had a ba grounds. Um, uh, but, you know, he had this his idea. No, oh, and he had Dr. Bob, the first guy that he, you know. Yeah. Was he the first guy that he? No, maybe not. I don't remember. Yeah. There's, like,
1: the first three. It's, like, uh, E.B. White was the one, I think, that got... Um, yeah, By Bill W. And uh, but they also relied heavily on the philosophy and the treatment of Dr. Carl Jung right. and also um, Dr. Silkworth, who famously wrote *The Doctor's Opinion*. And um, it, it's funny when I hear people in recovery poo-pooing uh, clinicians who aren't recovered addicts. You know, they say, "Oh, I can't talk to someone who hasn't been through it, and they don't know anything. They can't possibly understand it." Meanwhile. A lot of the traditional 12-step program was basically set up from two non-alcoholics that Mm. were highly regarded and um, highly barred upon for the program.
0: Well, I don't need my cancer doctor to necessarily have had cancer to know that he can (laughs) treat my cancer. Right. I, I get it. I get it why people feel more comfortable speaking to someone that's walked down that road sure. before. Though, you know.
1: But you know, um I have gotten a lot out of both uh, recovered addicts clinicians and non. Mm-hmm. You know, it's really it's different comes,
0: perspective, right?
1: It's different perspective and someone who is kind of outside of it can also sometimes see things more clearly.
0: Like I'll harken back to uh my, when my mother-in-law <laughs> came on, somebody, somebody mentioned this to me the other day in the Facebook group that, uh, she really appreciated the, that episode, uh, cause my mother-in-law, for those of you that didn't listen to the episode is, uh, was involved in the, um, methadone maintenance program and, and, uh, first for a County out here in New York and, and kind of dealt, she's a, uh, social uh, licensed certified social worker. Yeah, that was and a good episode. Yeah, she so and she doesn't have any. She she had family members with addiction issues, um, but she never struggled with it herself. But she, I think, she was able to come up with uh, some some unique perspectives. Yeah, from the outside looking in, rather than having been on the other side. Oh, I I I agree there is yeah. some there's value in that sort of a, a a person weighing in on recovery as well. Absolutely. Um in, in the other direction, so the question
1: is great. We you know, we're talking about this tandem sponsorship. You know, how can we move it forward and how can we sort of facilitate this kind of recovery? And we've got this private Facebook group um where we're all talking recovery, we talk about the show here and there. And, um, you know, this is a good place to get to know people that are like-minded and that maybe you can find a tandem sponsor either through our group, someone you're already comfortable with talking to, and maybe you guys just want to check in with each other personally every day. Um, or you can even do it on a, on a Facebook group. Naked Mind, people are always checking in. Oh, yeah. Dopey Nation is like that. It's a supportive community. Uh, and, uh, you know... For a while, I was afraid to join a Facebook uh, recovery group because I was afraid of, you know, it had my name on it. Um, But once I realized that I could do something privately, uh, it really changed my recovery, especially with the pandemic. Just make sure it's private, if if that's important to (laughs) you, because there's some that aren't. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, maybe uh, try it out. Uh, If you have somebody... Ours is private. Ours is definitely private. Um, and the other thing is there's a feature on the Facebook group that allows you to have mentors where uh, people you know you there basically v- yep you basically vet them and then on the mentor page you can um, list all of their experience and how long they have clean if that's what you want to know and their practice and, and then they'. Are uh, official mentors. I'm pretty sure Dopey Nation did that a while ago, but nobody—I don't know if anybody is using it. Um, and so maybe we'll set something like that up just to help facilitate it. And um, and that's that's a direction we're hoping to go with the private group, you know, to make it a real, real. therapeutic community. Absolutely. Um, so uh, write to us, uh, Mike R at Middle Ages Recovery. Tell us what you think about the uh, tandem sponsor idea, and maybe it's this is one of those things that. Maybe you were already doing it. I mm. think a lot of people already in recovery have a person that they call more than others that isn't their sponsor. Probably they just don't call. I mean, I know I did, um, and uh, and and maybe how you think we could shape this a little and and how we can move it forward. We we just think that it, it's a really great way of looking at it, and, and maybe if we can crystallize it, you know, more people can you know, jump on board and get the kind of success that I think that we've had and, and the kind of uh,
0: happiness that I, we get from it. Yeah. I think we, we, we're working on coming up with our grand unifying theory of recovery. But yes. We're not, we're not quite there yet. We're working on a unified field theory of recovery, <laughs> yeah. but
1: we're not quite there yet. So having said all of that, I think it would be safe to wrap up. Yes. Let's wrap up. Part three. Part three. Sponsorship spectacular yes and um, you know it, like I said tell us your thoughts in the Facebook group tell me your sponsorship uh, stories or, or you know what you think it should be I
0: love sp- funny sponsorship experience stories Yeah. also
1: <laughs> I had my sponsor story but it wasn't that good so I just right. kind of skipped it um,
0: alright well right. uh, Nakas that brings us to uh, what is it that time of the show Nakas recovery <laughs> the news
1: yeah alright in the news, recovery in the news, recovery in the news, recovery in the
0: news, motherfucker. <laughs> I think you hit your, your cues perfectly. I got every it. Every week. <laughs> now, do people do people know that that's just a loop of tape that we roll? Yeah, and I sing it live every time. <laughs> Recovery in the news this week comes from... Uh, ah, very sad. It is sad. It comes from... Uh, I could have picked the article from the New York Times, but instead I chose the New York Post for some reason. Actually, I know why. Because um, our uh, G-Money Smooth, like I've mentioned in past weeks, sends uh, an email blast... dot sober sober linings. Linings playbook.com. Yes. Right? Yes. Com.
1: Soberliningsplaybook.com. Go there.
0: It's a, it's an aggregate. He aggregates all of the recovery in the news stories that are going to be of interest to you and puts them in one place. And it's extremely helpful for beleaguered um, podcast hosts with not a lot of time. <laughs> you can just go there. It's one stop shopping. Plus, you know, a lot of the stuff is very interesting. Uh, you know, for every story we pick for recovery in the news, there's, you know, 20 others that week that are equally as deserving that don't get the, uh, the space. Because we don't have the time, so great check it out. A, he could do a whole podcast that's just recovering the news. He's also our guest next week, yes, on the show. Grant's finally coming on. Yeah, he sent me. A, he sent us a couple of emails with a lot, with a lot, with a lot <laughs> of background. There's a definite structure that we need to have to this interview. Yeah. I'm getting nervous. Yeah, that I, <laughs> <laughs> I'm nervous to talk to Grant. Yeah, like he's he's like a celebrity. Yeah. Um, but yes, uh, Grant, I have not responded to your. More recent emails, but they have been received and understood message, message received. Um, so unfortunately, we have sad news to report this week in that The Wire actor Michael K. Williams was found dead in his New York City apartment this week. Uh, he played no uh, notorious stick up man Omar Little on The Wire uh, he was found dead of a suspected heroin overdose in his Brooklyn penthouse Monday afternoon. Law enforcement sources told the Post Williams, who was 54 years old, which is one year older than me, mm-hmm. uh, was discovered face down and unresponsive in the dining room of his luxury Williamsburg pad. Which you know, if you're from New York City uh, before 20 years ago, the, uh, the the terms luxury and Williamsburg in the same sentence no. never would have no, went it's together. A whole. But, yeah. No, it's really um, cool. He was found there with what appeared to be heroin on the kitchen table, sources said. A relative of the Emmy award-winning actor talked to him on Friday and Williams was supposed to show up to an event on Saturday, but he never made it. Uh, He went to his house on Monday. Someone called the cops to the address saying there was a man there who was unresponsive and feels cold, sources said. The East Flatbush native was also known for playing Chalky White, a bootlegger in uh, Boardwalk Empire. That's right. And uh, in The Wire, his openly gay character toted a sawed-off shotgun while walking the mean streets of Baltimore, robbing drug dealers and whistling the tune to Elmer Fudd's A Hunting We Will Go. Yeah, he was awesome in that. He was really good. Uh, He gave a lot back to the Brooklyn community, um he brought his personal experiences including his own struggles to his roles to try and give his characters more nuance Uh, i use my job to engage empathy and compassion for people society might stereotype or ostracize he told the guardian in 2015 no one wakes up and says i'm going to become a drug dealer or i'm going to become a stick-up kid no there's a series of events that makes them feel this is the only way out and as a black man growing up in the hood i bear witness to some of those events Uh, He even had the scar to prove it, the remnant of a horrific slashing from a fight outside a bar in Queens when he was 25. Yeah, he's famous for that scar. So he had struggled with um, addiction for a number of years. And um, I I saw in another news report with the the operating theory is that he got a fentanyl. Yeah. You know, I mean, of course, it seems to be the thing that happens. I was
1: thinking about fentanyl, you know, as as y'all know, fentanyl is what killed me. And, um, but before that, thinking back to like 2008 when, um, I was getting dope, I mean, you didn't have that worry whatsoever mm. that, you know, half a little bag is going to kill you because, right. you know, you get used to like, you no, know, this is how it is. You can do a certain amount and you, you yeah. know, you get high and that's it. You know, maybe you die if you do too much, but you, you know, I know how much I can handle when <laughs> right. fentanyl comes out. And even if you know you're getting fentanyl, you still don't know which kind of fentanyl. Is it car fentanyl? Is it regular fentanyl? You know, how strong is it? And it's just, um, it's so dangerous. I mean, it's not even like... Um, trying to scare people from doing drugs dangerous like if you smoke marijuana you'll go crazy right it's like legit you die you know it's it's not you're having a lot of fun and maybe you get cancer in 20 years or something it's you die yeah you know it, there's no high you know when you die you just that's it.
0: Well, putting it in the cocaine and stuff is really freaky. I mean, it just you, doesn't make admitting sense. Admitting all, all these people to rehab who are, who are withdrawing from opiates who never did an opiate in their life yeah. and just snorted coke from a particular place. It's know? wild. It's wild. And I don't it's know. very
1: sad. He was a very talented actor. And you know, <laughs> this disease is uh, taking too many of us. Yep. And that is Recovery in the News. Yeah! <laughs> Wait. That was really loud. <laughs>
0: Do we do that at the end? We Um, do,
1: right? You play the music. I do. Yeah, I don't always do But you don't
0: do the singing at the end. Depends
1: on how I'm feeling. It's too much. But what that leads us to is. uh, Oh, The
0: Week in Weird. Week in Weird.
1: The Week in Weird by who? Tim. Tim Banal. Banal. Alien statue head spotted on Mars. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> an anomaly hunter studying NASA images from Mars believes that he spotted the remnants of an alien statue on the surface of the red planet. The curious find was made by an indefatigable UFO researcher. Good, wow. Good
0: pronunciation. Indefatigable. Nice word. You Thanks. See that?
1: Tim Bunnell definitely went to an ivy. Uh, indefatigable UFO researcher Scott Waring as he was examining pictures that were captured by the space agency's Perseverance rover. In one of the photos, the eagle-eyed investigator noticed a peculiar rock, which he contends is actually evidence for an ancient extraterrestrial race that once lived on Mars, obviously. Of course. What else could it be? The anomalous object appears to be the side profile of a face, complete with eyes, nose, mouth, and lips. This visage, Warren Waring (laughs) argues, quote, looks far from being human. And notes that the quote side cheekbones are thicker and wider than humans, and that quote the upper front cranium comes out further than ours. As such, the researcher suspects that the oddity is carved is a carved depiction of an ancient Martian. <laughs> of course, I mean, of that's, course, that's that, it's definitely what, what else would thinking. it be, right? Um, I mean, and I have the picture here. We're going to put it in the show notes. Uh, observing that the potential statue had appears to be approximately three feet across, and speculating that it might be thousands of years old, Waring <laughs> theorizes that it may have served as a burial marker akin to the tombstone here on earth. The anomaly hunter dismissed the notion that his discovery is merely a trick of light and shadow, posting positing that he is one hundred percent correct. Of course. In his analysis. Um, Listen, I'm looking at the
0: picture right now and it looks you know what it looks like to me? A, a rock. I don't know. I think you gotta look at it. Longer. I am looking. I don't see the head. Um I mean okay. Wait, is that an ear?
1: All right, well this is radio so nobody's looking at it. But it'll be in the show notes if it's
0: in the show notes you're putting it there okay i'll try because i don't out. know how, how the hell i'm gonna get this is ridiculous yeah i don't think you can embed pictures in the show notes. maybe i'll link a link, to it. A link. uh i think it's definitely an ancient martian civilization nonsense <laughs> nonsense i mean listen You've gotten me to the point where I can accept some of this weird crypto fucking stuff, you sure but this a, is ridiculous. I,
1: I mean, I love how, since there's no way for us to really know, your imagination could just go wild. Like, Probably, it's a tombstone marker from an ancient the Martian fact civilization. That he even says that
0: shit <laughs> makes me dismiss him out of hand. He's well, not a serious person.
1: But what makes me believe him is he he says that he is 100% correct. Right, of course. Uh, he it, it allows for no error. He also says, and this is the other reason I believe him, that the weird rock constitutes an absolute 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 undeniable proof that ancient aliens did once exist on Mars
0: absolute undeniable 100% proof that Uh, aliens existed on Mars how
1: can you argue with him I don't know he seems very sure of himself yeah right so I tend to agree with people who are sure of themselves Mm. that's actually not true pride go before a fall and
0: that's the week in weird Sometimes the weak and weird stories make me more angry than the recovery and the news stories. Well, that Why about, is that?
1: that? Because that about does it for today. We've had a great time as always. Thank you so much for listening. Visit us at middleagesrecovery.com, Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Facebook, Instagram, Spotify, YouTube, and Twitter. So tweet us at Twat. You twit. Support your favorite show. Drop a five-star review. Join the private Facebook group. Buy a t-shirt. Don't forget, merch is available. Middleagesrecovery.com. Click on the shopping cart. You can see our awesome new shirts and then Mike will mail it to you, you um, should have
0: sold the shirts at the beginning when people were still listening I know I know I forgot um, we
1: love meeting new monsters and chopping it up on the Facebook group and finally the best way to help the show is to share it with a friend uh, if you get something out of our little show please share the love and help grow the RMA movement and as we say non proficiat perfectum
0: progress not perfection see you next time be good be good